Hi, this is Aliza Licht, and this is Leave Your Mark, the podcast, where I brew fresh career advice with some of my most inspiring and successful friends. It's professional advice that you can action immediately, whether you're just starting out in your career or well on your way. With a massive to-do list and a large cup of coffee, I promise that you can get it all done and still have time to post about it. When we talk about career changes, we don't normally talk about someone going from a media role to being the founder of a beauty brand. But Sophia Shavit is here. She's the founder of Testament Beauty, a skincare line centered around the simple and stunningly beautiful garden-grown ingredients that are core to your family heritage and traditions. And it's known for being the Mediterranean diet for your face. Prior to founding Testament Beauty, Sophia was a journalist, where that's how we know each other from your days back at Women's Wear Daily. And whether it was for women's wear or for glamour, you always really thought about the end consumer, the end reader. And I have had the pleasure and honor of trying these products. And it is such a beautiful line. And honestly, Sophia, I just can't get over how you really did this. So welcome to Leave Your Mark and congratulations. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I remember when we first, first discussed Testament Beauty, which is years ago now, because it's been in development for about six years before we launched two years ago. And it's been a long road, but I'm so happy. And you believed in me from square one. I remember our first conversation. We were in Michigan. Speaking yes. at, remember that event? Yes, yeah. we were. I was just, you know, as you were speaking, I'm like, wait, where was that? We were at a restaurant. So we went to Michigan Fashion Media Summit, right? And mm-hmm. that's always a great event. And yeah, we had dinner and you were telling, I, it sounded like, sounded like a dream, but you really did it. So first and foremost, give us a little tidbit about your background, because I know this really directs a lot of the inspiration for this brand. Absolutely. So born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Now I'm based in Manhattan, but not too far from home. And my family background is Spanish, Syrian, Turkish, and it always centered around, you know, getting together family meals. And so what was interesting for me was as a kid, I'd go visit my great grandmother's house with my grandmother and my mom. And we were always kind of in and out of each other's homes. And my great grandmother, her name was Frida, would tell me, go pick grape leaves in the backyard. She had a small garden and go pick some grape leaves. And I'd go and I'd pick a bunch of grape leaves and I'd bring them into the kitchen. And me, my mom, my grandmother, and my great grandmother would roll the grape leaves and make, you know, just different dishes. And so this whole idea of the garden, the kitchen, the family, the sitting around the table together is so fundamental to really just who I am through and through. And it's that, that kind of spirit has really been the core of me, even in my career. I'm always feeding everybody. People always (laughs) tell me, why are you feeding me all the time? Then they eat and it makes me happy. I don't know what that says about me. So, I mean, that's fantastic, but how did you, I mean, obviously you didn't start off thinking you were going to be an entrepreneur. Oh, heck no. (laughs) So take us through, like, where did you go to college? What'd you major in? And you ended up in media, like, give us a little background on that before we get into the nitty gritty. Absolutely. So I was a part of the bridge generation. I remember my mom actually reminded me recently as a kid that when the internet was first a thing 
that I would just like go and type in Prada.com and just watch the static homepage. <laughs> like nothing was there. <laughs> like that's what I would do. And I was fixated on fashion and beauty and the information that I got was all through kind of the magazines or newspapers that would come to my parents' house. And so you only got them once a month and I would memorize Vogue. <laughs> I knew every writer, every byline, every new beauty technique that would come out in the Irving Penn photographs. And like, I just couldn't get enough. And what's interesting now you look back and it's like, the information didn't come at you so profusely and so fast and so much of it. And so I really just inhaled all this really fashion, beauty, news, zeitgeisty content, but mostly fashion and beauty. And I remember even as a kid, when the Bobby Brown book came out and I just, to this day, I do not put mascara on the bottom lashes because that I think it says that in that book and it stayed with me. And so I always knew I wanted to be in, I actually wanted to be more in a fashion space. Me and my, I have a younger sister and we had a deal that I would be the fashion designer and she would be the beauty founder. Oh, okay. Now she is an interior designer and I am the beauty founder. <laughs> I love it. What did you end up studying? So I went to FIT and Brooklyn College and I studied advertising, marketing, communications because in, at, at FIT because that was sort of the only entry point that I found into like magazine journalism or fashion journalism. And at Brooklyn College, I ended up just really studying my passion, which ended up being one of my passions, art history. And what I loved about art history was it, it's this, it's visual storytelling and my specialty with 17th century Flemish art and architecture. Wow. That's very specific. I really loved it. <laughs> it was really interesting. And so, but, you know, I, for a minute I was like, maybe curator, but I, you know, I think better, there are better people suited to that than I am. So it was either that or fashion and, and magazines. And when I was, I believe 18 years old, I interned at Harper's Bazaar in the fashion closet, in the accessories closet, very specifically. Wait, what year was this? so long ago. I, I know, like, but I was in the accessories closet at Harper's Bazaar too. I, I'm sure on 1553 Broadway. I'm bad at years. It was 1500 Broadway. 1500. Or maybe it was that. Yeah. I'm thinking it was in two, it was 2000. Okay. So I'm a little bit ahead of you. Mine was 1996. I just like being around these bylines, right? They're people. <laughs> yes, these, they are people, but you know I, what? You raise a great point because I think that the energy in those rooms back then was palpable. I mean, it was just, you you were so lucky to be there. I mean, like literally like in the closet, like dealing with accessories, like on the floor, but so happy to be amongst the greats, so to speak. Yeah, and I remember at the time, Samir Nasser was a fashion editor. And then I ended up interning for her for a couple of days a week. And Takun, who ended up having a very successful yes. fashion line was, I forget his exact- he was a fashion assistant when I was yeah, or a fashion writer, was, you know, and I learned so much from them and I will never forget. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I used to dress up and wear heels and the whole bit. I don't wear, I haven't worn a heel and I can't tell you how long these days <laughs> I used to dress up. And I just, I felt like, this is also before devil wears Prada. So it's just going back, but you kind of felt that Andy Anderson energy and before she, totally. so you remember this carrying around bags and bags of shoot, they're heavy. Therapy. And I remember I'd have to, I don't know if you remember this, you'd have to walk from the accessories closet through the photo team department yep. past the beauty team. And I just remember sweating in my heels and the whole, and I loved it. 
But every time I turned and looked at the beauty team, they looked so calm <laughs> and dignified and smart. Not that anybody else did. Wait, that's hysterical, but that's such a good point. They didn't have to carry. They didn't have to schlep anything. Beauty products are lighter. Yes, beauty products. Oh, that is such a And good I was like, my next internship, I'm going to work in beauty. That was, and I always like love science, but you know, I never super into it. Like, you know, chemistry, biology. Oh like, my God, that's so funny. Okay, so you have this amazing career in media. You're yes. killing it. I mean, you're an editor. You've done all the things basically that you set out to do. What was the moment when you were like, hmm, those grape leaves back in the day? Like, wh- how did you connect the dots between being a journalist and actually building a company? So it's... A great question. It's hard to answer because it's so many things kind of coming at once. But, you know, as you mentioned earlier, no matter if I was covering fashion, beauty, I would always end up in the beauty closet or on the floor sitting with the beauty editors and just watching product, going home, trying loads of stuff. And I'm I'm a journalist. So I guess I'm curious by nature and I'm always researching and I'm interested in a lot of different things, which is good and bad. (laughs) But I think that's also a lot of journalists that I speak to. They have this in common. They're just curious. And so I was trying all this stuff, loving it, having fun. And then as the decades turn, it was like 29 to 30. And then at the time I was sort of, I was 36, 37, kind of thinking about that next decade and the messaging that I was getting when I would open up my bathroom cabinet was prevent, correct, repair. And I realized it made me kind of feel bad. And it made me feel like, you know, I looked back at when I turned, you know, the last decade, the prior decade was, you know, I remember turning 30 and looking in the mirror and waiting at midnight. And I I don't know what I thought would happen. I was a journalist. I was a grown up, but I think all that messaging kind of seeped, no pun intended, but it seeped into my pores. And I was like, hey, nothing really has devastating happened, thankfully, when in terms of like my, you know, cosmetic, when I turned 30, how bad could it be for 40? But why is this messaging just, I don't know, it just made me feel bad. And I was chatting with my older brother who has nothing to do with the beauty industry <laughs> at all. And we were just having a chat and I was like, you know what? I feel like also editors do this a lot, or I did it a lot, a lot of my peers have this in common with me. Like somebody should do, I was telling my brother, somebody should do a skincare line that is, you know, sort of like how we grew up, like the Mediterranean diet, but for your face. And he was like, why not you? I'm like, oh, I have chills. I go brother. What's his name? His name is Julius. He is awesome. Julius, you're awesome. But okay. So first of all, let's just break this down. Mediterranean diet for the face is genius. And I love the why not you question because I even have that in on brand of like, why not me? Why not you? Like, so you had no answer to that question because there was no answer. It's funny when I read that in your book, it just resonated and struck me so deeply because it was much easier to follow the why not me than the why me. Mm -hmm. And as much as I loathe to admit it because it's a bit cliche, but imposter syndrome was very real for me. I said, you know, I told you earlier, and we've just got, we talked about it so long ago, Testament was literally six years in the making. And I think that had I gotten over my imposter syndrome sooner, 
it would have been a lot quicker. And how I actually got over it was I, I just did exactly what I did with my articles and my editing. And I was like, let me put, instead of putting the reader first, now it's the customer. Let me put the customer first in every single thing that I do. And it's interesting because, you know, I'd started my career in print journalism and then I, I moved very, very early to digital before it was like, people looked down upon it. Like that's how early, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, you're doing a blog. I'm like, yes, we remember, remember. those days. Yeah. And so I had gone to work for glamour.com under her name is Ann Sachs. She used to run glamour.com and she was wonder. She still is wonderful. And, you know, when she brought me on to Glamour, she really wanted me to bring my fashion background and designer connections and to be able to write all that. And I was like, you know what, if we make a deal, you teach me the internet and I will bring you all of my (laughs) fancy friends who are wonderful and creative. And she said, deal. And we did that. And so when I first got to Glamour and I started doing what I knew how to do, which is, you know, reporting on, you know, at the time it was fashion news, reporting on fashion news and kind of guiding the department. And my web traffic was just not good. And we had a chat and it was like, okay, how are we going to put the reader first? And that is when I came up with, I have it now. I put this little post-it on my computer, my screen, and it said, why should somebody click on this story? Oh now, my God. So many, I should, love this. I why love should this. somebody buy this product? So that's what it says for Testament. Now I'll put it back so we don't forget. But if I couldn't answer that question, then something was either wrong with the story, wrong with the headline, wrong with the entry. And so I brought that ethos to Testament. One of the things we used to do at Glamour, and this is some of, I learned so, so, so much from it is we would do these reader nights. We'd bring in readers from the tri-state area, a handful of people that were, you know, fans of the brand. And I'm sure they got a little gift bag or something. They got, they were so excited to come in. Just like, I was so excited to walk into Harper's Bazaar, you know, many years prior. And they would ask questions like, hey, can you do an article? This is the one that sticks with me. Can you do an article about outfits to leave in your, the trunk of your car for if, if you get asked on a date last minute? And I was like, Wow. Like I live in New York City. There, I don't drive a car. <laughs> it would have never dawned on me. And so I learned Cindy Levy was the editor-in-chief of Glamour. Anne Sachs was the editorial director. And I am endlessly thankful to them and the entire team there because at Glamour, I learned service. And again, putting the reader at the forefront of every single piece of content, it had to put the reader at the forefront and building a persona who is the glamour reader? How do they spend their time? How do they spend their money? What do they value? And it's not just, you know, it wasn't a W magazine. You know, I'd worked for W magazine as well. W magazine, it's like fashion first and like it's super, you know, intellectual fashion, art, love it. The glamour reader wanted to live a rich, fun, beautiful life and have fun and travel and shop a bit, look cute. And, and so take that, combine it with all the SEO knowledge that Ann Sachs taught me. And then she always tells me, you taught yourself. I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You taught me. And you you plug in, it's the art and the science, but also meets empathy. And that's the foundation of Testament beauty, genuinely. That's so fascinating. So here's a question then. 
in your mind, who is your consumer for Testament Beauty? Oh, I can go on and on about them. So I had an idea of who the customer was in my mind ahead of time. And they've, they've kind of evolved. She's kind of changed because I've met her. And so what Testament is for is for a person who is either building a skincare routine from pretty much scratch. She is generally above the age of 30. They very much connect with that kind of turning of the decade. I wouldn't say struggle, but kind of that introspection that comes with turning a decade. They're in that space oftentimes. So whether it's 29 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, et cetera, they just like the glamour reader, their their lives don't necessarily revolve around skincare and six steps or seven steps. They want products that do the job. They want to know what they do. They want them to be accessible enough in terms of price, where to buy them, how to buy them. And it's like, I always say about skincare, it's like, go live your life. You know what I mean? Like you, you use products that you love that's awesome. If you want to use Testament ones, I, you know, I, I, I aim to people say, Oh, what's it like to work for yourself? I do not work for myself. I work for my customers. They employ me. <laughs> and I think about it all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I need a nap. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I've got a job to do. And they often have kids. They have interesting jobs. They're aesthetic. They're interested in like aesthetics, whether it's interior, it's like, I can go on and on. But the thing also for me, I was getting all these like free products as a beauty editor, like, well, a beauty and then other editors, an editor of other categories, I would get all these free products. And that was great because that was like amazing market research. And, you know, I'd get to the bottom of these, I, you know, I won't name names, but these super fancy, super duper duper expensive products. And then it's like, okay, well, am I going to call some more in or am I going to buy it? You could call it in. It could be a little awkward if you're not writing about the category. Right. <laughs> right. So what would, right. So what you're, you were asking yourself, like what would compel you to actually buy it? Exactly. And for me, what I would end up doing with the super expensive stuff is I would take such a little, like if it was a dropper, I would use so little because I wanted to just savor every drop. And I don't want Testament to be that. I want people to feel welcome and warm and that, you know, not to worry about that next step because again, I've put the, hopefully we've put the customer at the heart of every single thing that we do. So it's like, okay, the product lasts X amount of, you know, in terms of if you use the product as directed, you should have, let's say three, four months use out of it. So you're going to have to be theoretically in a perfect world. You're going to replace it three to four times a year. Okay. Well, what does that cost look like? How does that fit into their lives? If they're traveling, if they have kids, if they're whatever, all of these different things. So hopefully all of that's thought through. We try. <laughs> I think you do a great job. I mean, I feel like, I mean, from my point of view, you, yeah, you have like certainly like the upper East side mom crew, being obsessed with it. <laughs> I think also getting, you know, wrapping your head around the Mediterranean diet for your face, just going back to that, like, what are those superfoods? What are the ingredients that you feel like really do make the difference in Absolutely. skincare? So as a journalist, my headline head is, is still on. And, you know, in the mornings, I always have the, you know, Good Morning America on or the Today Show on as I'm getting ready in, in the background. And like, I would say every two to three weeks, for years now that I've noticed that there's a study that comes out, the Mediterranean diet actually can boom, 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 like all of this. And that's great. And so 
each of our products are centered around one or a blend of key Mediterranean ingredients. You might have them in your kitchen. I have my little cilantro here. <laughs> you might have your kitchen, your garden, in your dinner tonight in some way or fashion. It's the opposite of at the top of a hill at midnight, there's a flower that blooms and we, you, you know, get it at, you know, pick it at just the moment. That's what this is the opposite of that. So, you know, my great-grandmother Frida had used a lot of ingredients that were in her kitchen and her garden on her skin. And she'd be, you know, she would show me rose water. So rose water is something that we make baklava with and all these different, a lot of desserts. And she would pour some in her hand and she would go like this, do it like this. She didn't call it a toner. <laughs> she didn't call it an essence. <laughs> I always like to think that Grandma Frida would really be a big Etsy seller today if she were around. That's <laughs> but, so funny. Um, but so, for instance, I, I definitely wanted to use something with rose water. And so our Damascena Rose De-Stress Moisturizer, when I started doing the research for that, working with our amazing chemist, you know, it's what I know about roses. They can hydrate and they, they have lots of healing properties. But what was so interesting about these specific Damascena roses. They come from Esparta, Turkey. They have a long history that dates back to the Ottoman Empire. They are picked by, I believe it's, there's 20 families who have had these farms for generations. And it's amazing. It's like, you see these images of, of people, you know, picking the flowers with the dew on them. Yeah. There are a lot of them, you know, it's not the one flower at midnight. And turns out, the science behind that is so similar to what you hear about all these studies about the Mediterranean diet for your face. Turns out these particular roses, this particular blend that we are using, it's clinically shown to reduce signs of stress in the skin. So whether it's environmental stress, emotional stress, all of that kind of gets reflected through your skin. So it gives this beautiful luminosity. And so that's just one example of how the Mediterranean diet for your face comes in. I love it. Okay, wait, let me see where I am in my questions. Okay, yes. So you've really gone from someone who has always been sort of behind the computer, right, to being a founder. How do you yourself now think about your personal brand as a founder of a beauty company? So honestly, it's something that I'm working on. I, you know, I'm reading your books nonstop as just reminders <laughs> because, well... I think that I would love to be posting more just like from a quantity perspective. However, when I do post, I want to express that, you know, where it all comes from. Right. And so the background in terms of like, I'm really into gardening. My fig tree is blooming right now and I'm dying. I'm so excited. So like sharing that and just sharing, you know, those elements of my life that kind of bleed into Testament. We just celebrated our second anniversary. So we're on the growing side, Yay! Um, no pun intended this time or pun intended rather. But one of the things that I've actually started to do is sort of, I took that glamour reader night concept and I plugged it into real life. And so I've been doing, I think we talked about it a while ago, all these like little trunk shows all over the place. Right now, mostly the tri-state area, but I'm going and I'm meeting customers, IRL, spending time with them, talking to them. When it comes to skincare, it's very interesting. I've never had the experience that people just open up to you. They get vulnerable. They talk about, you know, I had this acne breakout, but it was from pregnancy. And then all of these emotions come out and we build. <laughs> it's genuine. I mean, like 
you you will not please don't be surprised if you see me at a trunk show and like me and a customer are like crying like because it just gets not in a sad way it just we you get touched and well it's your face i mean it's it's an i mean it's your face. I mean, it's, it's an important area to invest in. Yeah, exactly. And, and it gets very, very emotional for people. And what's been great is, you know, meeting even, you know, it's definitely boots on the ground, but meeting every single customer that, or pretty many, many customers that I meet at these trunk shows, they're not one customer. They become five customers. They tell five of their friends, those well, and they literally um, I, I have another trunk show coming up the day after tomorrow. I did another one two weeks ago. You see my customers bringing by the hand, come, this is the brand I wanted to show you. Oh, this is that serum you love. And it grows, it grows like this. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, this is not necessarily about personal brand, but I think it's so interesting. And it's such an interesting, I always got that editor hat on me is that if I look at, you know, the e-com site, so we sell in testamentbeauty.com, we also have amazing retail partners, Saks, Bloomingdale's, um, Anthropology, Macy's, and Amazon, Amazon Premium Beauty, is that a lot of the purchases, or I would say 85% of the purchases that happen, happen either between 11 and 12 midnight, or between 5 and 8.30 in the morning. And I think that is so telling about it's a moment where those are times where we could be introspective mm-hmm. maybe we're worried about our appearance maybe maybe um, the kids are just asleep maybe the kids are just I think asleep. a huge factor of yeah. just having time for yourself exactly and I think that that is such an interesting thing about that I've learned about you learn about people it's not just about customers you learn about people and they become fans of the brand which is nice that's so interesting. Well, you need to have like a testament slumber party or something, some sort of evening. So <laughs> Everybody get your pruning shears. We're going to, no, gonna... I mean, you're doing everything that you should be doing. And I think you're taking something that you love and you're, and you're sharing it with others. And I do think, listen, as beauty junkies, nothing makes us happier than finding something that is wonderful and being the person who tells your friends, right? So that's definitely, I think, I think that's also why people love social media too, because it's like, you're the one that found it. You're the one that wants to share it and get the credit for it, right? It's so exciting. It's so inspiring to see you do this. I really do remember us sitting at dinner and I remember you were like, you know, this is a secret, but like, this is what I'm thinking. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so crazy. I can't believe you're going to do this. And you did it, which is unbelievably amazing. Thank you so, so much. It really means a lot because you had followed up. You're like, okay, let me know when it launches. Let me know when it launches. You supported me from pre-day one. From, oh, so that's so great. So, so much. Well, I'm really proud of you. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? That is an awesome question. I wish I knew how much I was capable of. Oh, I love that answer. I, I, and I, I, it maybe sounds a little silly. No, I, I think that's a really yeah. honest, I think that goes back to the six years of sort of really preparing and, you know, the imposter syndrome topic that we spoke about, but I think that's really, that's really truthful. And yeah, I mean, it's like, you don't know unless you try it. Yeah. And I remember talking to other, you know, I spent my entire career 
it was like a masterclass in business school, both interviewing entrepreneurs, young designers and young brand founders and emerging, I should say, because sometimes they were, you know, in their 60s launching a brand. I love that also. And then I, you know, would have lunches with, you know, the president of Hermes North America and Cartier North America, like all the time. And they had something in common and the the passion and the spark to be doing what they're doing is was always inspiring and remarkable to me. And it also left me with a network that I could ask questions. And so I would ask a lot of entrepreneurs questions like, you know, who did you hire to do your newsletters? And I would always get answers like this, that people would laugh. They'd be like, I do. Like, what? (laughs) How did you you figure out your Clavia welcome flow? And like, (laughs) that's a real thing, guys. If anybody has a brand or is starting a brand, Clavia welcome flow is a lot. And so I was like, oh, that's not going to be that way for me. I have to find somebody. And it's like, no, no, no. You figure it out yourself. (laughs) Yes. Well, nothing is, I think, more powerful than knowing how to do the stuff yourself. Which yes. is, you know, I think as being a founder, you you know, you roll up your sleeves, you're getting, you're getting in there, you're getting scrappy and that's super rewarding too. Yeah. And even from the experience that we both share on opposite sides of the media spectrum, it's everything from, you know, packing the gift bags perfectly, you know, these little details, it, all of that experience adds up. And I mean, look at you, best-selling author. I mean, well, the experience does add up. And, you know, (laughs) when you say packing those gifts bags perfectly, like people don't realize like the label that you're putting on the bag, if it's handwritten in chicken scratch versus it's printed out with your branded font is a huge difference in how the brand is perceived. All of these things matter. They all take time. They all take effort but it makes a really big difference. Yeah. Um, Okay. So my last question, how do you want to leave your mark? But really the question for you is what is the ultimate headline for you with this? I know it's such a bad one. So hard. No, it's such a good one because uh, as a writer and even being edited, like in the early days, I would have my headlines written for, you know, the, as a junior reporter, you didn't write your own headlines. (laughs) And so it's, it's such a powerful question. So I would say, I would say how Testament Beauty won over consumers with the quiet luxury of beauty. I like it. Like that. I like it. Yeah. You see me editing it in my head. <laughs> I'm off I'm, the cuff. I'm off the, the cuff. Words. Well, it is a beautiful, beautiful product. I mean, it is luxurious, but it's accessible. It, it has such a soulful start and story behind it. And more than anything, you are such a wonderful, great person. I've always loved working with you. So super happy to share this on Leave Your Mark. Thank you so much. Likewise. And thank you for your support always from the early days to today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Leave Your Mark. If you want more career advice or tips on personal branding, make sure to pick up a copy of my new book on brand, shape your narrative, share your vision, shift their perception. Want to land your dream job or kill it in your career? Don't forget about my first book, Leave Your Mark. If you want me to speak at your company or at an offsite, or if you need consulting services, please go to alizalick.com. I would love to connect with you there and on social media. And just remember this, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Keep on rocking.